Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is July the 15th, and our passage for today is Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3. Actually, we're going to look at this short book as a whole in this podcast because it is a fascinating book, and all I will do is just basically hit the high points because it is a book that you should read and read it over and over again. A friend of mine by the name of O.S. Hawkins, Dr. O.S. Hawkins, very well known, written many books, pastor of the First Baptist Church in Fort Lauderdale when I first knew him, then went on to pastor the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, and became the president of Guidestone. And I believe his great legacy will be the ministry that he leaves that will take care of pastors and pastors' wives all of their days, those that did not plan for retirement, that did not have for retirement, that gave to others so that others could have and they did without. Dr. Hawkins has put together a tremendous ministry that through the help of Godstone and through the gifts that he has given through selling of the code books, C-O-D-E, the code books that you will hear more about when we get closer to Christmas time, because I will urge you, as we will do in our own church, to buy these books and give them out as a witness to the love of God that we can express the best at Christmas time. Dr. Hawkins wrote a book called Tracing the Rainbow Through the Rain, and it's a story built around the great George Matheson's hymn, I Trace the Rainbow Through the Rain, A Love That Will Not Let Me Go. The title of the book is Tracing the Rainbow Through the Rain. The reason is, is because it is a study of the book of Habakkuk. And this book of Habakkuk is a prophecy about a coming storm, the storm of the Chaldean judgment of the Babylonian exile and captivity. Dr. Hawkins traces how Habakkuk looked at the storm. He looked through the storm and then he looked beyond the storm. And I want to say to you just at the outset from a devotional standpoint that every child of God either has a storm coming toward them. They're in the midst of the storm, or they've just come out of a storm. The storms of life are as common as rainwater itself. And if we're going to get through these, we have to understand there's a sovereign God in heaven who loves us. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives and the lives of all mankind. But we only know that when we come to know him in a personal way through Jesus Christ. And so I want to share with you something of the background of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a book that was couched in the time period just before the first wave of the Babylonian captivity in 605 B.C. In 612, the Assyrian capital of Nineveh was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar and his family, and all of Assyria was split apart and taken over by the Babylonians. There were remnants of the Assyrians that gathered again 
they were joined by Pharaoh Necho in 609 of Egypt that came to Carchemish in northern Syria. And in 609, you have the ultimate and final defeat of the Assyrian army. Their capital fell in 612. But again, as so many times is the case, uh, there were remnants of the people, and they continued to fight, and they joined with allied forces. As a matter of fact, the book of Second Chronicles records this when Pharaoh Necho was coming up from Egypt, up the Via Maris, through the Arun Pass, and then into Megiddo. As you'll recall, young godly king Josiah went out to try to stop him uh, because of what the Assyrians had done. He didn't want uh, any help. He wanted them to be defeated. And so he tried to stop Pharaoh Necho. And as a matter of fact, Pharaoh Necho said, this is not God's will for you. Please don't come against me. I have no quarrel with you. You're grabbing a wild dog by the ears. Don't do this uh, because I have no quarrel with you. Please don't come after me. But young Josiah followed anyway, and he lost his life. The religious reforms and the last hope of Judah really went up in smoke when Josiah died. And I believe it was shortly after that, the uh, death of Josiah and the Battle of Carchemish, that God called Habakkuk to give this great prophecy of his. And Habakkuk just couldn't believe it. As a matter of fact, as you open up the first chapter, you have Habakkuk, whose name means embraced or embracer, crying out to God and saying, how can you do this? Why don't you do something? These Chaldeans are going to come and destroy your people, Israel. They're going to invade the land. They could destroy the beautiful temple and worship center. And God's replies in verse 5 where he says, Look among the nations and watch and be utterly astounded. He's speaking to his prophet. He said, For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. For I am indeed raising up the Chaldeans a bitter and nasty and ugly and belligerent nation. I'm going to bring them against my people. And the reason was God had told Israel this was what was going to happen. He had told Judah this is what was going to happen. And they just continued in their idol worship, and God said, that's enough. There is a time when God says, that's enough. And so he was going to use a nation that by all means was more wicked than Israel itself, than Judah itself. And that's why in verse 12, the prophet just couldn't, couldn't believe it. And so he asked a question, a second question. He said, and, and are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O Rock, you have marked them for correction. And went on to say, how could you use a nation so wicked? And so the question was, are you going to use a wicked nation, more wicked than we are as uh, your people, and God's answer was yes, but they will also face judgment in the future. And they did. So in chapter 2 and verse 1, Habakkuk says, well, I will set my watch. I'll just stand on my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch and see what you will say to me, God. And then when you answer me, then I will be corrected. But now this is just too much. Really, the prophet was just overwhelmed. 
Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Now, this is very unusual because most of the prophets just had a message. God would give them a message and he didn't tell them to write it down. Now, many did, but many of the prophets, Elijah, Elisha, we could go on and on, never wrote down anything. They just prophesied. So he said, there is an appointed time. This is why it says that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time. It's the word moed. It's a, it's a season. It's a day. It's an occasion that God said, I've set this apart. I know what I'm doing. This is an appointed time. When it's time, it's going to happen. You see, God really is in control. And he was trying to tell his wearied prophet, don't you worry. I know what I'm doing. And Israel must be punished. It must be chastised. God said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. This is a sign that God loved Israel because he had to be a faithful God, not only in his love and forgiveness, but also in his judgment and chastisement. And so you have all of this playing out here. And finally, it dawned on Habakkuk, God really is going to judge his people. I mean, it's going to happen. We are going into exile. And so the prayer and the song that he sang is recorded in chapter 3 and verse 2. It's the song and the prayer of Habakkuk. O Lord, I have heard your speech, and I was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Is this amazing? Habakkuk said, Lord, I've heard what you said. I've, I've really heard it now, and I understand it. And I understand that there is going to be judgment. But Lord, would you revive your work in the midst of the years while everything is going wrong? Lord, when the judgment comes, would you revive your work in the middle of all of this? Would you, in your wrath, which I know is just and and right, would you remember mercy? And God did. You see, in the midst of this captivity, God raised up Daniel. You've heard of him, I'm sure. What about Ezekiel? What about Jeremiah? All of those men came to the forefront during the days of the exile. What about Haggai, Zechariah? What about Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther? All of these came about during the days of the exile and the captivity. You see, God knows what he's doing, and God will always remember his people. God is always faithful. And were there hard times? Yes. Was it difficult for the people? Yes. Was there judgment upon Jerusalem? Yes. Was the beautiful temple that Solomon built, the great central worship center, was it destroyed? Yes. But we're going to learn that during the intertestamental period between the closing of the Old Testament canon and the opening up of the New Testament canon, the New Covenant, God did a work that if he had told Habakkuk, he wouldn't have believed him. And we're going to get into that in the fullness of time, how God sent forth his son, born of a woman. I'm going to do two or three extra podcasts coming up just within the next week or so, because we are about to begin the New Testament. And as we begin the New Testament, we've got to get ready for that. So we're going to review and go over the entire Old Testament in a podcast And then we're going to do a couple of podcasts to get you ready just for the New Testament. But the prophet Habakkuk was absolutely astonished. He was astonished at what God is doing and God's great plan. You see, it is his story. 
when he comes to chapter 3 and verse 17, he says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, like deer's feet, and he will make me to walk on my high hills. On the great heights, God lets us walk. When we get to the point to where Habakkuk did, where he said, though I lose everything, though there be no produce, though there be no prosperity, though there be nothing, I'm still going to praise you. That's when the joy of the Lord comes into our hearts. Because you see, then we understand that we're not following God for what he can do for us. We're following God because he has his hand on us. And we've understood that he is the God of heaven. And without him, we cannot exist. And that's when faith comes in. That's when trust comes in. And that is why Habakkuk, with his famous saying, the saying that inspired the great reformation under Martin Luther, when he said, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by his faith. The emphasis in Hebrew is live. The just shall live, truly live by trusting in God, not through his good works, not through his own righteousness, not through what he can accomplish, not through his own strength. The way a man is made right with God is by trusting in the provision that God has given through Messiah Jesus. It's always been the way. It always will be the way. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.